Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Greg Detmer. Sitting over there is the one and only Jay Hill. We are a couple instructional coaches here in Iowa. And since Jenny's feet have fallen asleep and we finally figured out how to get our technology to work, this is the Instructional Coaching Corner, the podcast. Jenny, how are you doing today? Well, other than the pins and needle in my foot, I'm great. If you wouldn't have taken so long to figure that out. Uh, okay, here's how you get rid of it. You stand up, you pick that foot up, the one that's tingling, and you stomp it on the ground as hard as you can. That's okay. You ever I... have both your feet fall asleep at the same time? No, that sounds awful. So I remember once I was sitting crisscross applesauce. Hands in your lap? Probably. And I wasn't at school. I was like watching like a motor motocross or something like that. And I was sitting in the grass watching this, and I went to get up, and both my feet were sleeping. Like, I kept falling back down. Like, I looked like a new fawn, like when it was first born, where it's like, it's kind of walking, but at the same time, it's, it just keeps falling down. Yeah. And it really hurt. I hear people can break their, like, ankles pretty easy when their feet are sleeping. Well, I do feel like when you get up to walk, you, you can't feel your foot, like, picking up. You don't know if you're picking your foot up or if it's stomping down. It just feels really weird. So, I will stay sitting, and I will bear through the pain i got it I'm and good. that's the thing jenny if you kind of think you know maybe this pain's not as bad as i thought you'd be kind of showing a little bit of a a growth mindset ish a little bit a little bit that's yeah. that was a terrible terrible segue <laughs> into we are talking about the happiness advantage again we are because we've been talking about it for like the last three or four podcasts. And we're going to do a few more, but we're going through Sean Aker's book, The Happiness Advantage. And today we're talking about, in the book, it's called The Fulcrum and the Lever Chapter. However, our district calls it Mindset Matters and ties it pretty closely to growth mindset stuff. I agree. I think it goes a lot with what we talked about when we had Trevor Reagan here, just kind of that growth mindset um, and how to build a growth mindset and the importance of why we should have that growth mindset over that fixed mindset. Um, Sean says that happiness is not about lying to ourselves or turning a blind eye to the negative, but about adjusting our brain so that we see the ways to rise above our circumstances. And uh, we've been doing a little bit of this with uh, grade at Dyersville Elementary, we have some students who, we have a classroom, I should say, that really kind of struggles with that growth mindset. They're very fixed mindset. So I've been going in and talking a lot about flexible thinking and how being a flexible thinker is like having a rubber band in your in your brain. And sometimes when things don't go our way, instead of being fixed or stuck on that one idea that we think needs to happen, that we need to be flexible. And so it goes along with, you know, what Sean says in the book about rising above circumstances and um, just kind of looking for the positive and looking for the good and, and seeing where we can go. Even if we have a failure or make a mistake, where can we move on? Yeah, it kind of goes back to that whole thought that our perceptions often become our reality mm -hmm. in either direction. Yeah, I agree. So, Jenny, let's talk. Have you ever been on the playground? You ever gone to a playground? Um, yes. Not like a new one. We're talking one from, you know, maybe like the 90s, early old 2000s. School? Yeah, an old school one. That like has the a, 70s? Not that old. <laughs> God. Yes, yeah, no. so playgrounds, here's three things I remember. Merry-go-rounds. Uh-huh. Those are fun. I don't like those. Slides that were made of metal and like, like you got burned and they burn you. 
burned and the and bumps hurt. in the middle. We had yeah. the ones with like the, the bumps in the middle. No, so you bounce. We didn't have bumps. Okay. We did. And then the last one was a teeter-totter. I love the teeter-totter. Now, as one of the bigger kids on the playground, <laughs> heftier kids, I had the benefit of like that teeter-totter. I dominated it. You just held the you you exactly. held that poor soul up in the air and wouldn't let him down. Exactly. No one was holding me up. <laughs> so, I had like complete power on the teeter-totter. If I wanted to drop you, you were getting dropped. Because think of that teeter-totter as a level, a, a lever. Yep. Okay, and then that that bar that sits on, that's kind of the fulcrum, right? Yep. It's where it teeter-totters back and forth. If we could move that lever, that little fulcrum, or move the lever along that, essentially some skinny kid could throw me up in the air by making his side of the lever longer. Correct? Absolutely. And then I'd come crashing down and never go on the teeter-totter again. That's kind of the same thing Sean says with like mindset, is if we can move that mindset, it changes the way we see things in such that we have a better attitude. Things that were once more challenging may now become easier for us to do. Absolutely. Uh, one of the examples that he gives that I really loved was the hotel maids example. Do you remember that one in the book? Enlighten me. Okay, so this one was where there was a group of maids that worked in a hotel, and um, when they were at a meeting, a comment was made to a handful of those maids that said, oh my gosh, I would love to do your job. You know, you work so hard all day long, you're on your feet, like it must be really easy for you to lose weight. All right. Uh So these maids kept thinking, oh, my gosh, I am exercising all day. I'm I'm walking. I'm pushing carts. I'm making beds. I'm chasing kids who are stealing little (laughs) soaps off my cart. That might happen. Yeah. I remember my dad like made us do that. Like, really? Go get that soap. We need. It's like, what what are we going to do with this? Like, (laughs) why do we need all this soap? We never used it, but we went and took it. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Well, then if she, if the maids were chasing you, then yes, you did give them extra, ex- and they're extra exercise. exercise. Yep. So, um, and after a few weeks, what they noticed and what they found is that the maids who were told that all the exercise they did throughout their job, they actually started to lose weight compared to those that were not told that they didn't lose any weight. They felt tired. They felt sluggish where that fulcrum, we moved that fulcrum just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And those maids began to realize and think, hey, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I am exercising all day long and I'm losing weight. So Yeah, and then the next, that group of maids, they were going up and down the steps. And on each landing, they did 10 burpees. (laughs) So they were really into it. Yeah, good for them, though. I hate burpees. Yeah, burpees, they're, they're not much fun. Hey, that also reminds me. So there was a psychiatrist, Ellen Langer. I believe that's how it says it. And in 1979, she did this study with a group of guys. And she took a group of men who were 75 years old. These were older gentlemen, thinking 1979. 75 was quite old for back then. And she put them in a place where they were asked to pretend like it was 1959. Hmm. So they had the dress like that. They had magazines from that era, books from that era. They were encouraged to talk about, like, President Eisenhower. So they were just sitting around talking about Ike, 
reading Time magazine from like 1959, hanging out. And they even went so far as like the 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 ID card that they gave them with like a driver's license had a picture of them from 1959. So they were 20 years younger. So really think getting them into the idea that they were the younger version yeah, of themselves. That they were hanging out in okay. the, the late 50s. And they did this for a week. And after a week, it was amazing the results that just shifting their mindset thinking like this 1959 made such a difference like physically within their body. So they tested each person prior to going Mm -hmm. and like physical test, mental test. And they even had one where like people looked at pictures of these people and said like, how old is that person? And afterwards, they all improved with strength, posture, their cognitive memory improved, their eyesight improved on average 10 percent that's crazy that's insane when they took new pictures of them and asked people to say how old is that person that on average people said they were about three years younger looking i think that is crazy it's insane so just by thinking and being in an environment where they were asked to you know be younger Mm -hmm. act younger there was some physical changes i think it would have been so cool like seeing them out there with uh whatever walking aids they may have, throwing the old pig skin around. You know... Even still, asking them to <laughs> act like they're 59. That's still not 20 like, years is a big difference because I even is. think about, like, my parents at their age. Um, you know, they're not close to 79 by any means, but, you know, even how interesting it would be to, to do something like that with your parents, you know, just getting them to think back when they were that young. Actually, that kind of happened to me just recently, Greg. Um, back in the day when I was in high school, I was mm-hmm. the windmill pitcher for our softball team. You're an animal. I was. And so uh, my daughters have started to show an interest in pitching windmills. So we've been practicing. And uh, there was one night at practice where I actually went in and I thought, I can I can throw the ball. I can do this. Give me the rock. Absolutely. Like, how hard can it be? I mean, muscle has memory, right? So... It shouldn't. Oh, yeah. It should be able to just go right back in there. So Get the glove up. I did. I pitched, and it went really, really well. And I was kind of surprised by the heat. I could still throw. However, <laughs> there is a big did you say heat? You're heat. putting some heat on the ball? Oh, I did. It was, it was like flying right in there. in there. Yeah. Everyone's like, whose mom is that? She's so yep. awesome. But and unfortunately, there is the know. however to that story. I woke up the next morning and could barely move my arm so I in the moment of pitching and throwing I felt really good like oh my gosh I haven't done this since I was 18 years old and then I woke up the next morning to realize that nope my um I don't want to say my age but my my body just did not re it didn't it didn't like what I did to it the day before so my goal is to hopefully you know keep warming up keep throwing the ball and get back to the glory days get that back there yeah you know, since I've been doing this, uh, I've been working out through Ferrell's, which is a program. I've been telling Christy pretty oft, often, I'm just like, you just wait because this is going to be back to the glory days of the late 90s. There You're you not going to know what to do. To which she just chuckles and laughs at me <laughs> because I'm hobbling around and have been sore for the last four <laughs> weeks. But So you're not crouching around like the jungle tiger anymore around school? Well, you know, it's more of like a stumbling around. <laughs> And if I need to just kind of like fall out in front of people and be like, hey, be a jungle tiger, not a zoo tiger. 
Oh, I love it. So I love it. Yeah, I'm still doing that. Awesome. Good for you. So back to that story about those guys, Ellen's little test showed that their perception impacted their physical reality. That goes further than just that test. I mean, think about it, Jenny. Have you ever had a day where you woke up, you opened the windows and the birds were chirping, and it was like a nice blue sky day, maybe one of the first real nice days of spring, mm-hmm. and then you went to work and you're just like, I just feel like I'm doing, like like that stuff's easier, that I'm better at what I'm doing. You ever had those days? Absolutely. And yeah. then it's just because you're in like a positive mindset that stuff becomes, it puts you in like a growth mindset where you're okay t- taking on challenges. I think the fact that you're looking for the positive right away and you're you're noticing those positive things around you to start your day off right and you're choosing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it that you have to choose to have that positive growth mindset um, and that it doesn't, it's not just something that you either have or you don't have. You have to work to build that growth mindset. And I think that's something that, you know, we've talked about in our previous mindset podcast about, you know, having a growth mindset is a choice and kind of the same with this fulcrum and lever, moving that fulcrum to having more of a positive attitude and a positive mindset, growth mindset, um, is definitely a choice. And it's kind of a work habit. Like we've got to work at it. And yeah, every day there might be something that kind of throws you, throws you for a loop, but it's constantly thinking and seeking out those positive things that put you in that growth mindset. I agree with you. So in like a practical standpoint from my life, I'm thinking if I have a big project that I'm working on that I'm kind of dreading, so think back to when, oh, that's what it was. I figured it out. Coding story. Yay. So in a practical sense, Jenny, do you remember like a couple years ago when we went through all our assessments for ELA and decided that we were going to pair them up with an oh, Iowa, Iowa Core standard. standard. Oh, and yeah, this guy like came in to every meeting and we had like, I, th- I feel we probably had like, 45 hours of meetings doing this like over a few weeks and every time i'd come in it was like total eeyore i'm just like oh this coding sucks you didn't enjoy that and and i was bringing the team down (laughs) i think if i would have moved that fulcrum just by thinking like even of like the positive outcomes like yes this is a lot of work it's challenging however it's going to be very beneficial for Mm -hmm. us down the road that i would have went into that with a better attitude, I would have been more productive and I wouldn't have been like Debbie Downer to the whole group. I mean, it should have just been a positive experience anyways, because you got to see myself and the rest of the elementary IC team for 45 hours in a week or less, a week and a half. So that should have brought the positive mindset just to begin with. So that may have been a start of the problem. <laughs> Locked in a windowless room. But um, yeah, I like I said, joke all joking aside, I feel like if I would have came in with more of a growth mindset on mm-hmm. how I was going to tackle that and go about it, would have been more enjoyable and uh, probably would have got stuff done a little quicker. Well, it's so true. Anytime you have something that you that you dread or something that you're not looking forward to doing, it is hard to go in with a changed mindset because in the past it has not been very enjoyable. And sometimes it is just stepping back and saying, okay, here's, even if you pick one thing, here's one thing I'm going to get out of it today. One thing that I'm not going, I'm not going to let it bother me today, how this goes or, you know, whatever it might be. It really is important to stop and look for that positive so that 
you go into situations that may seem very daunting and not fun um, with a, a better mindset. Yeah, because my guess is I hope people aren't there out, out there just doing like daunting, bad tasks that have absolutely no connection or purpose. There's always a purpose in what we do. Mm-hmm. And if we can think that, think of that, keep that in mind as we're doing it, I think that helps our mindset. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a story, Jenny. Okay. Back in Britain, you know, they're pretty high tech. Mm-hmm. They did a, a research project where they took a group of people, I believe they're actually inmates, and they took them out to a field and they said, you know what, inmates, we want you to dig a trench right here. So they dug the trench, the inmates did. And they weren't paying them or anything. It was basically, you know, you get to go outside, you're going to dig a trench. At the end of the day, they looked at the inmates and said, you know what? Fill the trench back in. And the people are like, what? So they filled it back in, and then they headed back. And on the way back, they said, hey, you guys can come back here tomorrow, and we're going to pay you five bucks for the day. About half the people showed back up. They said, hey, dig a trench over here now. At the end of the day, they filled the trench back in. They didn't do anything with the trench. Mm -hmm. They gave them their five bucks and said, hey, if you come back tomorrow, we're going to give you $20. Guess what happened? All of them came back. No. None of them? A couple, but they kept going. And eventually, like, no matter what they were saying they were going to give these people, they weren't coming back because these people were finding no meaning in what they were doing. There was absolutely no point in them digging this hole. There's no purpose. But I think when we find our bigger purpose in the stuff we do, it's really easy to have a positive mindset when you go into it. I agree. Hey, Jenny, we go dig a hole. I got, I'm going to test a little project with you. Here's your <laughs> shovel. Get going. I'll, I'll finish this up from here. My foot's still asleep, so I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go start. All right. <laughs> so you wouldn't want me to be the warden of your prison, Jay Hill. Absolutely not. I'm putting you to work. I'm not going to be digging any Foot trenches. sleeping or not. <laughs> One last story, Jenny. Have you heard of Sam, Sally, and Sarah? I have not. Okay, these were kids in school. And, you know, at the beginning of school, we always do our assessments on kids, kind of see where they're at. Mm-hmm. These kids came back average. Okay. Run-of-the-mill kids. The teachers didn't know that. The administrator of the test went to the teacher and said, you know what, Sam, Sally, and Sarah, they are your rock star students. They're the top of your class. They crush that test. Now, don't do anything different with them. Treat them like any other kid, any other child, and we're going to see what happens to them throughout the year. Remember, they were average kids. Mm -hmm. And they went through the year. The teacher didn't, like, pull them in a separate, like, tag group or an enrichment group or do anything special with them other than her normal interactions. And at the end of the year, guess what happened to Sam, Sally, and Sarah? What happened? They had made tremendous academic growth. The teacher believed in them. And her beliefs eventually carried over to them, and that became their reality. Perception is reality. How powerful is that? Just by her believing, like, I'm going to hold you these expectations because you're one of my top Top kids. kids. They did that. It's so true when you have those preconceived notions about students coming in from year to year, especially as we end the year making sure that we ended on that positive note and and what we're going, you know, passing on to the teachers for the next year, that sometimes when you have those preconceived notions of what a student did or did not do the previous year, how that can set them up for either great success or maybe not as much success. So that's a great story, Greg. Yeah, I agree. It's a great story because I told it. (laughs) 
Just kidding. <laughs> no comment on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it it's definitely a fine line to walk between like how much do we want to share about kids and uh, how much just figure out on your own. We yeah. do that same thing. We have we call them fly up meetings where we have teachers from the previous grade meet with the next group of teachers and we discuss students, but we've tried to lay it out in a way where there's still a lot to learn about those kids. It's really mm-hmm. things that we need to know to help that kid be successful day one. Absolutely. It goes back to that relationship that you can know everything you think there is to know about that student, but until you build a relationship with that student, you're not going to see their full potential. Spot on, Jay Hill. So, Greg, nothing else today. Uh, do we have <laughs> anything else to share? All right, Jenny, I agree that we pretty much wrapped up uh, Mindset Matters or the fulcrum and the lever. Our perceptions often become reality. Hey, Jenny, we have great news. I don't know if I told you. I did tell you. I, I know. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're the co-host. I'd never do this without telling you. On oh, June, I don't know about that. <laughs> on, <laughs> on June 20th and June 21st, Keystone, our AEA, is holding a conference in Dubuque called KPEC which I believe stands for Keystone's Premier Education Conference, at the Grand River Center. Keynote speakers of that at that are Joe Beckman, Trevor Reagan, who we've had on before, yeah. and Pete Hall. Which is super exciting, and we have some exciting news to share about those keynote speakers. We are going to, yes, Jenny, we are going to have the opportunity to sit down with them and podcast with them after their keynote presentations at that conference. So... We are really looking forward to that, and the cool thing is we are going to do it in front of kind of like a live audience, I believe. We're going to be at a podcast pavilion, so uh, if you want, you can come out there and heckle us and be like, Greg, you suck. What are you doing, man? Why do you keep messing up? And or see just what walk this by looks and like. Smile and see and you, you yeah, can see smile to like. Jenny and, and curse me. And be like, Why are you always taking us down these bunny trails? Come on, just I get to the I think they're content. just going to want to see what you're actually like in live version. Oh man, I don't taping. know. I don't know if I'm the world's sure ready if for it. I'm not sure if you're ready for this. Exactly. It's going to be the end of the conference. <laughs> so they're going to be like, "How'd you let those clowns in?" So Jenny, we have a website www.iccpodcast.com. Hey, all our minicast, our past shows are there. Go check out the past shows on the Happiness Advantage. There is a lot of good stuff there. You You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. That is correct. So as we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do it, because greatness isn't achieved by one event, but instead a series of small, intentional steps. Go be awesome.